la 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 Latoya. Uh, uh, oh, what's her name? It's Latoya. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to the end of the low girl could be the tea. Yeah, that sounds. I'll be trying to give y'all something cute. You know what I'm saying? I just got. I'm just. I'm coming off of watching Homecoming, and I'm feeling a little musical. I'm feeling a little. You know. Like, I want to give y'all rhymes and reasons. I don't know. Whatever, y'all. <laughs> Welcome, guys, to the Antelope Girl podcast. This is your podcast for your 30-somethings and your 40-somethings. That means Gen Xers, but other people are more than welcome to listen. But this is also a focus on my Gen Xers out there because we be getting left out. So this is your podcast for y'all, y'all. And we are on a quest. We're on a quest to get our analog lives in this digital-driven world. I'm so happy that you guys are choosing to listen to yet another episode. I'm truly, truly grateful. If this is your first time, thank you so much. When you're done with this episode and only when you're done, I think you should go back and take a listen to all the other episodes I have going on. I am a work in progress, so you can see how I've been building this podcast from the ground up. If this is not your first time, well, hello. Well, hello and welcome back. And thank you so much for listening and sticking it out with your girl. Truly, I am truly, 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 truly appreciative. So, you know, I always got things to do and things to ask y'all. Um, when you're done listening to this episode, um, or when you're done listening to all the other episodes, please, if you can, wherever you're listening to subscribe on Google Play, on iTunes, uh, follow me on SoundCloud. I'm on Spotify too as well. If you can just love it, that would be great. Um, but on also, especially on iTunes, if you can rate it and subscribe to um, my podcast. And then also, if you want to leave a nice comment, I would be so appreciative of that. I would really, really love that. Um, <clears throat> it would really help me out and go a long way. So please, guys, if you can help your girl out, you hear me begging, help help us this out, okay? Huh. Um. So also, if you haven't signed up for my email list yet, you can go to theanaloggirl.com, sign up for my email list there, because I keep telling you guys, I do have things in the works. I do have new announcements, new things coming and announcements coming soon. I have a free ebook that will be dropping on May 20th. I gave myself a date so that I will have that prepared for you guys. And that is going to be a book about how to overcome intrusive thoughts instantaneously, instantly overcome intrusive thoughts. I'm going to teach you how it's worked for me and what, what, and teach you what I've done. And I hope that it will work for you. It's free. So all you got to do is just go to my website, theanaloggirl.com, sign up for the email list there, and you will be the first to know when that is out so that you can download it. Also, I'm doing something new guys, because I'm, I have a lot of people that are reaching out to me, right? And a lot of you guys have questions, a lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of you guys and girls, <laughs> um, who have been reaching out to me, wanting to know how I was able to overcome and recover from depersonalization, um, grounding tips and all sorts of things. Now what I'm doing is because it's hard for me to remember and go back to like messages. Cause I'm getting messages on so many different platforms, right? I'm getting on Instagram. I get it on Facebook. I get it on Twitter. It's like, my email. So it's a lot, right guys? So what I'm doing now is I hope you guys will follow directions. I have a number. There's a number you can call, right? You call this number. You're going to get some voicemail. It's the Antelope Girl Community Voicemail. Okay. How cute is that? You call this number 917-408-3160. Again, that's 917-408-3160. 
it's my direct line to my direct voicemail. You can leave whatever you want to say. I hope it's nice. Okay. Let's, let's keep this real nice. Right. So you're going to leave your voicemail there, leave whatever questions you have, whatever comments, whatever concerns, anything that you want, um, to, for me to address, you can leave it there. I will go through all of those weekly and then I will talk about them on the podcast. So today I'm actually going to be answering questions. Um, well, I'm going to answer one question. Um, that was asked of me and I am pulling this up right now. Um, before we get into the show, I want to answer this question for this young lady. Um, because I know, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be, um, struggling and wanting to know, you know, like needing some tips on what's the best way to, to overcome this stuff. So the question I have here today is, do you have any grounding tips that may help? I don't know why, but the depersonalization has been intense the past couple of days. I hate going to the gym, but I bought a bike and I've been riding it around and I feel like that helps. But man, when I'm in the house, I feel like I'm on autopilot and just so detached. Okay. So, um, when that kind of stuff was happening to me with depersonalization, um, I had to still push through um, and do outside things. I had to get out of the house, right? So I understand that you bought a bike, right? And you're, you want to do it in the house, but you still need to get out. And I feel like the, the energy and being around other people, um, helped me to kind of force myself to, or even if I had to pretend that I was, (laughs) I was normal and kind of force myself to put my, and put myself in normal atmospheres where people who feel normal and they are going about their day, I needed to be in that atmosphere. So it would kind of like make me, uh, it'll help me to distract from what's going on in my brain. Right. So those were, uh, some of the things that I did. Also, some grounding things. I listened to music when I was in the house. Um, music is my my first love. Like I was, I, I grew up singing. I, I still love to sing to this day. So that was something that I did in the house. I listened to music. I was always dancing. Um, it always just made me feel good to put on songs and then start singing to them and kind of pretending that I was an audition. I don't know. It was just really weird. So I had to find things that I had passion about prior to the depersonalization and hone in on that. Um, I listened to music. Also, sometimes I had to be in my house um, in order to, uh, if the lights were too sensitive, I'd turn out all the lights um, because that can kind of heighten the depersonalization. So that it would ground me to turn out the lights. Um, it's weird. Some pe- people say it's weird. Like even in my shower now, sometimes I got a shower with the lights out. It's very strange, but the sensitivity of the light um, was heightening my anxiety. So, uh, turning out the lights in the house kind of, uh, grounded me too, as well. Also another grounding technique that I would use, um, is something like if I'm on my laptop or if I'm on my phone or whatever is in my present, whatever is in, uh, close to me at the moment, I would pick it up. So if it was a pen, I'd pick up the pen and I'd be feeling the pen and I'd be like, okay, so this pen feels like, um, this, the pen is purple. Um, let me click the plant, the pen and just, just looking at things around me, like, okay, I see a plant, the plant is green and maybe go touch the plant, you know, or I'm watching television and this is my favorite show. Um, and this is this, this joke right here is what, you know, those type of things, things that were familiar to me, that is what I used 
to ground myself. My favorite show was A Different World, is A Different World. A Different World would bring me back to how I would feel when I was watching those shows on a consistent basis before I I started to experience the personalization. So that in itself was also very grounding. I would watch all, (laughs) I would always watch um, all the episodes that I knew were the funniest to me or the ones that would make me feel good. Um, especially the ones like when Dwayne Wayne and Whitley got fell in love because, you know, love is just the number one thing that I would love to have in my life. So that is what I used to ground me. So you've got to find what is your passion? What was your passion before the DP? I understand if you're feeling empty and you're feeling like just the conscious and you don't have any emotion, think back to what was your passion and what excited you before the DP? What calmed you? And go and try to assess that. If you love music, start to listen to music more. If there were movies you love, go and watch those movies. Overcome the fear that maybe uh, if you watch this particular movie, you might feel a way, you might feel depersonalized. Yeah, it might happen, but still push through that and go and do the things that you used to do before that made you happy. Um, Because in the long run, what's going to happen is going to train your brain uh, to go back to normal and not constantly feel like you have to always be on high alert and that you're in a fearful situation. Um, So I hope that helps for you um, because it helped for me. And that's all I got. So let's just go into the check-in and check in on my anxiety. All right, guys, anxiety check. And I hope you guys' anxiety levels are low to non-existent. And if they're not, you know, we always remember to breathe. So let's just do our quick breathing right now in through the nose. Hold it. Breathe out all that stress and tension out through the mouth. One more time in through the nose. Close your eyes while you're doing it too. Breathe in. Hold it. And then breathe out any feelings, those gut feelings, stressing your shoulders. Breathe it out. One more time in through the nose. Hold it. And then breathe out through the mouth, all that anxiety and tension. Okay, so anxiety check-in this week is a little different. You know, I always have it I have, when I have guests on, it's a little different. My good friend, George Chapman, is joining me for anxiety check-in and the anxiety zone. And we are talking today about his experience with anxiety. And then we're also talking about career anxiety. Um, so I think it's a conversation that anybody who is um, trying to transition in their career or starting a new career, especially for those like me who are 39, who's a Gen Xer, and you just feel like you have not scratched the surface on what it is that you're supposed to be doing with your life career-wise, this might be a great conversation for you. And even if it isn't, it still might be a great conversation for you. So me and George, we scratch the surface, we touch on those things, and here we go into the anxiety check-in. For those who uh, don't know who you are, who you, who are you? What do you do? What's going on? Uh, right now, I do a lot of soul searching. Uh, but before that, I, I'm a producer, a writer. Um, I've worked everywhere from BET to Rolling Stone to Details and GQ to iHeart, Soft, and all over the place um, as a digital producer. So, Well, welcome to the Anxiety Check-In. Yes, thank you. 
uh, it's time to, do you have anxiety? Do you suffer with anxiety? I do. Oh my God. When don't I suffer from anxiety? I, I, sometimes I wake up with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I shower with it. Sometimes I cook with it. Um, <laughs> sometimes I do a little shopping with it. Um, so it's with me a, a, a lot of my day, unfortunately. So yes, yes, I do. Okay. So when do you think that, uh, when did you start to see it manifest in your life and how does it manifest in you? I think it, anxiety came up a lot around my mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and anxiety is very, you know, it's career focused most of the time. Most of the time it's about what next, what, what is my meaning and purpose here on this earth, you know, especially I think social media has helped it a lot, uh, increased it rather. Um, just thinking that everyone else has found their beat and their niche. And I'm still sort of like searching and trying to figure out what that looks like for me. Um, and not wondering and being afraid if I ever find it. And I think that's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find that, we be, we I think that we are go we go through anxiety a lot even when we're little but we don't know um mm-hmm. you know like that it's happening cuz okay. I was thinking about when you were just saying I was just thinking how um you know like when you get in trouble in school and you know the teacher's going to call your parents oh yes oh yes you know what I'm saying <laughs> like I feel like you know we we those those type of fears um started started young especially with the black folks child you know we be scared to <laughs> <laughs> somebody said what to your parents so it's interesting that you were saying that yeah you um and it does I think it does it manifests um in, in a different way when we get into our 20s it's funny that you brought that example up because my mother not to segue into that but mm-hmm. my mother was very emotionally uh abusive in that way and very and I had a lot of anxiety uh it's funny that you mentioned it around my mother like she would call me where are you come home why are you not home why didn't you clean your room uh did you walk the dog this morning I mean one time my my anxiety is so bad my mother called me in the morning about walking the dog and I haven't had walked the dog before I left the school she made me get off the school bus and come back home to walk the dog so like I used to have anxiety around when my mother called me all the time whenever she called me my my friends would notice and they would all comment about the physical change (laughs) And my body, <laughs> when my mother called, or when she, you know, asked for something from me, it was it was a physical change, and I would yeah. be like, "Oh my god, it's so embarrassing." Yeah, yeah, I, I I think that uh, yeah, we we when you realize what you you always when because when you think about anxiety, I think that prior to my experiences in my adult life. I wasn't thinking about it and what it actually, I think I was like, oh, that's mental health. That's mental illness. That's for people who like, mm-hmm. you know, they have these dis- disorders and they got to take medicine and I don't, I don't need no Prozac and I don't, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff. And yeah, no, it's much simpler than that. It's, it is. It's much simpler than that. So for the anxiety check-in, uh, first of all, guys, I hope you levels, your levels are low to non-existent. And if not, you know, we always remember to breathe. We do deep breathing here. We do one through the nose, in through the nose, out through the mouth. Um, always remember to do your deep breathing. Um, and if you are feeling great and having a wonderful week, that's nice because my anxiety check-in is not really that this week. Um, mm. I, well, we all know 
if you follow the show, that I am job searching um, still. So that has been um, anxiety in itself of like what, and it's not necessarily financial anxiety. Like, I don't really care about that. Like I've been homeless. I've had to scratch, scratch my way up from the bottom multiple times. So I'm not afraid to do that. I think my anxiety with finding work is that I am 39. I'm, a, I'm that Gen X person that all of these people be holding the crosses up to us. Like we're, we're poison for being this old. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I have not, I have not embarked on a career. Like I don't have I haven't, I haven't, I don't have that, oh, this is what I do, this is what I love to do, this is what I do, and I get paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have that. And so that has been really heavy on me because I feel like, why the fuck I got all these school loans? Like, why did I get a master's degree? Why do I have $100,000 worth of school loans? And I have uh, nothing to, uh, to show for it. So that has mm-hmm. been what, where my, my headspace has been uh, for the past couple of days. Also, while I'm doing this whole 31 days of prayer and just um, learning how to stop begging. I've been trying mm-hmm. to stop begging God because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I've, I started to feel like I was like constantly begging. Um, and then while I was doing the 31 days of prayer, I was realizing like, oh yeah, you can become very selfish when you're praying. Because mm-hmm. it's constantly like, God, give me money. God, give me this. God, I need this. God, where you at? Show me that you're real. You know what I mean? And it's never any thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. It's never any praise. It's never any prayers for other people, for my loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was finding that my prayers were becoming very selfish. And I learned this past week that um, to, sh- to shift my prayers to more thanksgiving and more praise. And then also... Um, instead of asking for God to change my circumstance, instead of asking for money and asking for wealth and, you know, fame, or whatever, uh, with analog girl, whatever, instead of asking for those things, um, to ask God to make me an answer, to make me an answer mm-hmm. to someone's prayers or to make me a blessing for someone or to, um, yeah, to just make me an answer to whether it's a company, whether it's a CEO, whether it's a one specific person or what mm. have you. I think I have learned, I'm now shifting my prayers to be more about making me an answer to someone else's prayers. That's powerful. Yeah. And which I'll see, let's see how that works. You know what I mean? <laughs> if I can take, take the selfishness out of it and take the ego out of prayer. Because yeah. I just came to me just now, like, I just felt like I was having a lot of egoism. Mm in my prayers mm-hmm. and that's because you know yeah right because you know we're taught like you can go to god and ask him for anything, anything but it's but you you can but then there's also like what are you doing in return for that like what you know what i mean right so i'm just struggling with that so that's been what my prayer life has been like this week um and then um also i was able to i've been going through panic my panic attacks have been happening a little more and more this past week as mm. well and i think i attribute that to me trying to do a fast and pray, praying and fasting which i mm, i don't think i'm gonna be able to do, that. <laughs> do you normally not can you normally not do them together no you i normally when i'm fasting i'm normally i do it because i'm in i'm want to go into like this deep prayer or whatever right, so right, like, right i was doing that one i was on my cycle then i'm fasting then i'm like just drinking water 
um, and, and having juice, like a juice fast or whatever. Uh-huh. And then I start going into heart, palp- heart palpitations because oh. I guess I'm not getting enough sodium. So I'm getting <laughs> heart palpitations. So your girl thought she was dying again last week. Oh, I'm in the, I'm, listen, I was on the phone with my mom, like, Mama, my, my heart is racing all crazy. She was like, well, go to the emergency room. Like, I don't know what to tell you. So I'm like, go to the emergency room. They running all the tests. And they like, you're fine. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's the fasting and you're just dehydrated. You need to get some Pedialyte, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of calmed down for that. But then I started to scare myself again because I'm like, oh, God, I'm now I don't, I'm back in the panic attack mode. And mm. I hope that it doesn't shift me back into the depersonalization. So then I'm nervous about that shit. Um, so that was, that was, that was a, a, a story in itself. But by the grace of God, ain't nothing wrong with me. Amen. Um, I know I, I do know how to handle myself in panic attacks because I had a full-on panic attack in church last um yesterday. Oh my um, god, wow. Well, nothing really. Like what happens with me is like I guess I'm I am I am physically stressed because of my situation, but I'm mm-hmm. like coping with it. But I mean I sometimes my body I do internalize a lot still, you know? Mm-hmm. So sometimes it manifests itself in like panic attacks and racing heart or heart palpitations or what have you. Um, and I could, um, I could have a thought or whatever, but I really didn't, I really don't remember me having a thought of anything in church yesterday, but I felt it coming on. I had to pull out my lavender, start sniffing the lavender real quick. Then I was like, mm, that's not working. Let me go to the bathroom real quick. Wet my face, <laughs> take some deep breaths. Um, I w- I also be doing these like, head over my knees squats and I don't care who sees me so like, <laughs> like yo okay? I was like yeah I'm just stretching and I just went back <laughs> I just went back to doing it and I came back and I was like okay let me get myself to put some more water on my face and I calmed myself down and I was just letting myself know I was in a safe environment and then I went back to my seat and sat down and did some more deep breathing while I was sitting there and listening to them sing or whatever and mm-hmm. like, um, and the service was going on, but I was able to calm myself down. So I've just been really proud of myself and how I've been handling myself with panic. Yeah, class. Really, yes. really, really well, really well. So that was my week. That was my week. Um, I don't. I mean, yeah, that was pretty much it. How about yours? Uh, you know, my anxiety ebbs and flows. Sometimes, like I said, it starts in the morning. I've been taking this. So I to catch everyone up. I also am unemployed. Um, very recently. But you know what, once you've done it before, I think with unemployment again teaches you that you're not going to die, like you're going to make it out. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what I learned. But I'm taking this advertising course and I have anxiety about getting homework done for that class. I'm not paying for it, but I like having anxiety. Like I'm like, oh my God, my homework is due. I haven't started it. I'm, it's not going to be done. They're going to think I'm terrible. Like, yeah. And there's you no know, like assurance that it's going to lead to a job but it's kind of like oh my god I'm, I'm i'm sucking as a student and lord knows i haven't been a student in like almost 10 years and so <laughs> i don't even know how to sit down and concentrate and actually do homework so mm-hmm. that's been anxiety my roommate i have a roommate now because i had a roommate last year when i um when i first went through unemployment um after living by myself for a good two years and his presence gives me anxiety i hate when i like hear him around out and about and it's sad because like he doesn't have to stay in his room but it gives me anxiety just knowing that he's here because mm-hmm. I don't want him here. He feels like an yeah. invader in my space. <laughs> um, so that, so that's stressful. And then, you know what? Like, doing things, productivity is sometimes anxiety-inducing. Anxiety when people are like, oh, George, you, 
I'm so good at this. Why don't you do this? Start this business. Do that. And it's like, ugh, I don't even know how or what or what makes me special or what makes me good. So I suffer a lot from, um, what is it called? Imposter syndrome. Just thinking, what yeah. if I'm like good at anything, right? What if I'm just not good or I think I'm good, but I haven't really been good. And so I suffer through a lot of that and feeling stressed about that. And again, like needing to take a break from social media because I feel like I have anxiety seeing other people win. And it's not that I think, but it stresses me out and I can't, like my friend calls me, he's fighting or upset about the, you know, the possibility of taking this a uh, hundred and something thousand dollar job because he thinks he deserves more. And I'm like, I have, I'm fighting for, uh, for a piece of bread. I have <laughs> and you on the phone to me talking about a hundred thousand dollars. I don't even know about ever make a hundred thousand dollars. I don't, I don't want to be on the phone with you talking about that. And he calls me all the time. I think it's so, but I debate whether George that's selfish because people, you know, your friends will able to share their wins with you. Yes. What if I'm not in a good space to hear it? Yeah. Or to, I'm not in a good space to root you on. Like, yeah. am I, you know, am I a bad person for that? So that's my anxiety checking for this week. Just really um, trying to deal with my imposter syndrome and um, and homework for class and and just trying to tell myself that it, it's a marathon, right? And that it's mm-hmm. not a race. But I feel like at 28 that, you know, I, I, my fear is being one of those people that had potential that never made it, that never peaked, uh-huh. that, never, that never had the opportunity. That is um, my fear too as well. And it stresses me out all the time. I'm literally always thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So. And you're so young. You ain't, you. I'm light years ahead of you and I'm still there, child. So listen, what you, what you, 28? 29. 29 whole damn years and this is what your fear is? I'm a whole 39, George. A whole 39. Let me tell you. Look, Latoya. I know, that's crazy to me because I, I, I see the greatness. I've seen it. i worked with you. Mm. I know it's there, you know? like I, It is there. And it's unfortunate that you would even ever be in a situation where people wouldn't even want to let your light shine because yeah. it's so bright and you don't even have to turn it on. <laughs> but when, the light, when, the, when the light is emanating from you, people kind of flock to you. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that earlier. Like people flock to you, to mm-hmm. us, and 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 it's it's really disheartening to know that you've even been in situations where people weren't weren't willing to let you take the front seat yeah. because you have the ideas, you have the persona, you have the the charismatic uh, ability to do anything that you want to do. So this universe is really crazy. It is. But I was little yesterday, and I was like, I'm so proud of Marsai for being 12 or what is she like 14 or something and being the youngest like executive producer but then watching this and thinking oh god what am i doing you no, know i'm looking at Easter ray i'm like oh she's amazing why can't i what's wrong with me and honestly and that's why um i can't follow i don't really follow a whole bunch of celebrities on um on Instagram, mm-hmm. um, and it bought some. Well, another person was like, "Well, I don't want to be a celebrity, so it doesn't bother me. I don't necessarily want to be a celebrity, but I've always wanted to be in entertainment. You know, I started out being a singer, um, yeah. and I was auditioning so much for to be a singer. So I've wanted to be an entertainer uh, all my life. So it's mm-hmm. hard for me to see uh, yeah. people progressing and doing things in the entertainment realm, and I'm just still sitting over here, like you know." How y'all doing? Can I just get this little admin job at least? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? 
saying? So it's hard for me to see that. So I, I totally, I totally get it. And it's not to me, I don't think it is a matter. It's not a jealousy thing for me. It's a, it's a, I start to look inward at myself. Like I'm a failure. I'm not, I'm happy for other people. And I, and I genuinely smile when I see it, when mm-hmm. I see other people within, I right behind that, I'm always like, well, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what did I do wrong? Then I start going down a whole line of things where I think everything went wrong in my life. And I'd be like, yeah. oh, I must have started when I was in kindergarten. Oh, I must have started when I was in kindergarten. <laughs> like, exactly. and then I start blaming my, my parents. Like, well, if they never took me out this class to punish me, like, because my, my father was always on some, well, she can't do African dance no more because she ain't come home one time last week. And it's just like, mm-hmm. I would start thinking about that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, because you know sometimes your parents they destroy your dreams. You know they do, they do. <laughs> so. so now my mom goes, like, "Oh my god, you should do comedy." Now everybody wants me to do comedy now. When yeah. had you supported me when I was younger, <laughs> I, would have, I would not have the the, the insecurity to do yeah. these certain types of things. Yeah. So, so I get what, it. what have you been doing to kind of? I guess what have you been doing to combat your anxiety this week? You know, I journal. I picked up my journal for the first time in a very, very long time, uh, like a day or two ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just started writing out some, some thoughts. You know, everyone always says, you know, if you don't know what to write, just start writing something. Mm-hmm. And I just started writing something. And I'm really just trying to get to my, get myself to a place. I also have a therapist, so that helps. Oh, okay. Um, yes, I'm in therapy. I've been in therapy for many years. I, I'm an advocate. Go do it. Sit down. Mm-hmm. Talk to somebody, anybody. But for me, uh, it, it's a lot of, I've been doing a lot of like self-work uh, mm-hmm. in terms of just sort of self-realizations and really trying to be that positive self-talk to myself that I am to everyone else mm-hmm. and to really, really believe it. Because it's one thing to say it, but it's really another thing to really sit in it and believe it. And I'm trying to believe that for myself. So that's a lot of like, George, let's take that out of our mind. Let's not believe that. Let's believe you have time. Let's believe that things happen in divine order let's not stress about other people's thing and let's, and let's take ourselves out let's step back maybe you don't need to be on twitter maybe you don't need to be on instagram and and i have considered deleting all those things for good for good and just really living a life that is a little disconnected mm-hmm. um, but it's, it sucks when you're in the industry or when you're trying to be in the industry and needing to be abreast about what's happening but at the same time just need a break like really just needing to step back so that you can focus in on yourself yeah a little bit slowly of stepping back and and going okay I know this is not good for me like certain people are encouraged by certain types of things and I know it doesn't encourage me like I know it makes me have then negative self-talk which makes me self-deprecating and I don't I don't try to subscribe to that type of material or content in Mm -hmm. my everyday so okay so self-care and which involves self-assessing Hello. Hey. <laughs> Hello. You have to self-assess, and you got to be honest with yourself when you self-assess too. Yes. Like sometimes you'd be like, "Oh yeah, but I don't really." No, yeah, you do. Yeah, I be talking to myself like, "Yeah, girl, you really are playing yourself." Like, be happy. She right. Got okay. Smile. Right. My <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard though, but I'm not. I'm definitely not a hater. But I definitely don't, again, I cannot look at everybody win all the time and I'm still trying to figure out. And it's not about even that they're winning. It's just about knowing that they are succeeding in something you know they want to do yeah. and you're trying to figure out what that is for you, you know? It's not yeah. even that they're winning. It's like, but you figured out that thing that is your thing. 
And I think that's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. And like, and it's even better if I actually make money. Yes. Yes. When is it going to Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, I wonder if, I I wonder what I'm going to be like at 49 once it has clicked, because I do believe it will click. So I wonder at 49, what am I going to wonder? What am I going to want to click at that? Something new, you know, I just feel like we're always Mm -hmm. going to always be wanting um, more, which kind of annoys me about life, but yeah, what have you? We're never satisfied. Ever. <laughs> We're never satisfied. Toya D, who was living a life of complete and utter trash, y'all, spending money frivolously on clothes, food, and bottles of wine that could be finished in one setting alone, ghosting Sally Mae and never paying a bill, y'all, going back and forth in relationships that were called situationships, a what? Going from one dead-end job to another, struggling with racial and social anxieties in the workplace. Nature finally took its course. On March 1st, Toya D woke up in an apparent dream world to which she calls the urban matrix and was left to figure out the true meaning of life and human existence join the journey on the quest to live fabulously shamelessly bold and fearless and confident with mental health in the anxiety zone so alrighty so on into uh oop, I just said on into um the anxiety zone so the anxiety zone was created. I know. Do I always like to explain to the new guests why it was created? Yeah, I'm talk sure to me. I sound like a broken record uh, to uh, the listeners out there. Yes. All my 400, 500 listeners. I just love y'all. So yes. Hey, listeners. Hey. Um. Actually, the numbers actually have been going up too. So shout out to y'all. I think I was seeing like a nice little fifteen hundred um, the other day. What's your thing? Gift of the gift of gab is your thing. So I was so excited. So um, uh, the anxiety zone was created because of two things. Um, as mm-hmm. you know, I told you my story of depersonalization. I felt like I was living um, in a twilight zone, and mm-hmm. then I also am very obsessed with a different world. And they yes. have an episode called the Exam Zone. So I was yeah. like, ooh. So I took the spin and was like, we gonna call it the anxiety zone. Yes. So that's where that came from. So the anxiety zone is just where we just tell our stories about um, um, overcoming when um, some kind of particular anxiety. And today we're going to be talking about career anxiety with you. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, well, one is what is your what is your goal? What is, what do you, what are your goals? What do you want to do in life? What is what is your you're about, about to literally give me anxiety? That's- <laughs> It's so anxiety-inducing. Um, it is. <laughs> it is. Look at this. Like, how do you just culminate everything into one thing? But like, I think. See, it's so it's so complicated. But I think what what I want to do is I want to do something. I want to tell stories that, um, I think incorporate some sort of like visual storytelling, whether it's producing, whether it's photography, um, or um, I think being in a, a, a space where I can help create and open an avenue for other people to tell amazing stories. But it started out as a dream of really wanting to change the narrative um, around Black men and what their perception looks like 
Um, and so I really wanted to take a spin on telling stories that humanize Black men. So that is my ultimate, I think, real big dream. But it has changed and has manifested in so many different types of ways. So I'm still carving out and defining what that dream looks like for me. Mm. So but it takes I, time. I love that whole change the narrative of what Black men look like. Like, why can't we just stick to that? Like, let's just stick to that. I need to, because it really, it really always, I think, um, propelled me in everything I did. Because I was like, yo, because what I always heard was, oh, my God, you know, you're so special, you're this and you're that, and, and, and that I wasn't like other Black guys or kids, and the other Black kids, Black men specifically needed to be like me. And I'm like, why? Like, why can't there be space and opportunity for all of us to thrive? And would always, I would always tell the kids on my block is, you know, even when I was leaving for college, going to Howard, I was like, yo, we live on the same block, which means that if I can get there, you can get there. Mm-hmm. And I really always wanted to create a space for them. So like, I remember like my first two, two years out of college, I would come home on breaks with applications and I would leave them in the barbershop and I would talk to kids in the barbershop about going to school just because I wanted people to know it was possible mm-hmm. in my neighborhood. And mm-hmm. then when I began working, uh, you know, that's why BT His was such a big deal for me because I'm like, oh my God, we need a space where Black men can be colorful and be expansive and, and, and be um, anything they want to be and be human. And people mm-hmm. see that and respect that and honor that. And I feel like we don't have that. I feel like we're getting to that space, but I feel like Black men are still often demonized. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes even by Black women, right? Because I Absolutely. think while I love Black Girl Magic, and all of these movements that are propelling and pushing women, I think Black women are still, um, there are Black women, obviously, who are, who are in these spaces, yes, because Black women aren't in them, and they're holding, they're occupying these spaces, but there are a lot of Black men who are left behind. Yeah, um, and who aren't trash, and that's why I try to, um, I try not to push the narrative that men are trash um, yes. as much, because, I mean, it's, we're so, it's so easy for us to be like, men are trash, because, you know, we go through our especially a single woman going through with the fuck boy shit, you know, <clears throat> but us, I think it is, a, it is very damaging for us to keep um, honing in on that one particular line of yeah. black men are trash. And I know, you know, and it comes from knowing, I know the Tyrells and the Tashans and my <laughs> neighborhood that are good guys, right? Who just don't always know how to articulate on interviews, but have great ideas. Some of the best math students, because they're so weed and they did whatever they need to do. But some of the best math students and arithmetic students that I, I, I knew, I was going to the drug dealers to help me get through calculus and things because they knew it. And yeah. I care about those boys who people often um, shelve and shuck away very early because they assume that they don't have dreams or ideas and, and wants and goals, and they do. They just don't know how to articulate them. And there's a book uh, about raising Black boys that I've read. I forget the author, but it was incredible. And it was like, how can you teach a group of children, uh, a, pop, a population of, of people who you don't understand, who you're afraid of? And there was nothing different between them and me. And mm-hmm. I think that's what always uh, made me so... Uh, eager to change the narrative because those guys are also my friends. Mm-hmm. And like, I never felt lucky. I wanted to help them. And so that's why, you know, I would go from, you know, get had breaks at Howard and I would come back and I would bring college applications and I would go to the barbershops and I would talk to the kids about college mm-hmm. at 19 and 20. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just wanted those kids, the guys that I knew that were in my neighborhood that didn't have the opportunities, a lot of times because of family things, their mom's on drugs, dad is away, all these other things that they didn't have. I wanted them to know that if I could do it, you can do it. Okay. And and, and globally. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, it only was heightened uh, being a man who who also loves men, being a gay man, and, and interacting with some of these guys and, and being able to see what that looks like and offer that type of love to to men. I think we don't we don't have those conversations enough yeah. um, about how we need to support black men um, who are not all who are not the guys who went to your Morehouse and to your Howard, but the guys in your neighborhood that mm-hmm. you know are looking out for your house when you go away. You know, just at a neighborhood code or who you know are always saying hello to you on uh, you know on your way to work. Those guys mm-hmm. that are just pillows in our community who just always don't get that space and that opportunity to to to, to lead the block yeah so. um which i think is great and i feel like you should stay right in that realm um and do that because we need that i think we do need to keep we need to change what the black male looks like to mm-hmm. to the world like it just needs to be changed i feel like a lot of people will see them as these evil frustrated crazy yeah crazy people who get on the train and act crazy you know what i mean because we always see those videos on facebook and it's always like some crazy guy you know doing something mm-hmm. it's just i'd be i'd be so tired of those videos and that you know and we all laugh at them but then at the end of the day like i just was watching one uh with a man bought a mannequin on the train and i was oh, chuckling. <laughs> i was chuckling i was but and i was gonna share it and then mm-hmm. I said to myself, no, don't share that. Because if, mm-hmm. if he's really serious, if this wasn't like a prank, mm-hmm. like he's mentally ill and I'm not sharing it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so that's why I was just like, at first I was laughing. I was like, oh God, I got to share. And then I was like, nah, chill, be like, I'm not going to share this. And it, it was, yeah. I, I was convicted at that point. Like, oh no, I'm not going to share this because if he is really going through something and you know, who knows how he got to this point and why would he do all of this on this train with this mannequin like right, right. So yeah, I, you know, we do need that compassion for mm-hmm. uh, black guys. So that is your goal for career. So yes. we all know now we now that we've talked to you that it's not going that way. That's not mm-hmm. how your career is is going. So mm-hmm what's your headspace been like um because you've been going after the jobs like you've been working you worked at BT you worked at Rolling Stone and um you had those positions um what made you go after that instead of just going after uh what it is you really want to do the dream uh I think uh, part of it is like hoping that this would also be my way into doing that right i think mm-hmm. i started out writing and, I st- and 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 that's something that i still very much love but i switched from writing to production because i felt like i needed those skill sets to possibly tell those those stories mm-hmm. um and so i think i don't know if i went if i veered off the trail more so than i'm trying to take um, alternative right, right, uh, routes into that space okay. and to figure out what that story is that I want to tell. How do I want to tell it? What does it look like? I think I'm still figuring out those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that entertainment 
um, has been a, a way to do that for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, so that's what I think I'm, I, at least in my mind, what I think I'm doing. Right. And so you think it's a good, it is a good idea to go out and, you know, get the, get your feet wet in other realms of yes. the industry. Yeah. Yes. Yes, um, yes. yes. So now that you're in the space where you are basically a free agent, what, <laughs> what have you been doing self-care wise? Um, have you been doing some strange things for some change? <laughs> look, you can check me out my OnlyFans backslash get it how you live it. Um, no, <laughs> not yet. But look, it's coming. Look, um, I'll be two seconds you know on the pole. I've been really heavy into the gym. I've been really lifting and and doing that. Photography is something that's really also has been a safe space for me which is why I haven't like full on pursued it as a career because it's really something that brings me a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. I don't want it sucked out of me, the life out of me when mm-hmm. you're doing it for, for money. But I think talking to people has always been my safe space. Just sort of like being open about it, having a therapist, being like, hey, I'm afraid of this. I don't know how to do this. Um, or I don't know how to process this. Help me figure out another way to think about this. Or why am I thinking about things this way? So therapy has helped me um, and really isolating myself, believe it or not, from certain types of people. I think mm-hmm. some people look at isolation as like, oh, especially when you're like sometimes in a depressed space, that that's not some, something that you should do. But I think for me, it's worked. I think it's really worked because I, I sometimes know that I don't need to be taking in everything. And I'm always taking everything in. Every time, you know, and, and we sometimes don't even think about it. But every time my friends call us to talk about BS, we're taking it in. We're internalizing it. I'm, I'm solving your problem. I'm not focusing on my own. And our friends or people that we perceive our friends, sometimes they're not even the best for us because you are pouring yourself onto me, but then you're not there when I need to pour out. Or you're not even invested in what's going on with me. I have conversations with whole friends and they don't ask me about myself until the last two minutes of the conversation. Listen, or they ask you and what I find is that they cannot, they're not able to give me the kind of support that I would like. Like I only have, I only have one or two friends that can give me that support that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's some that's like, you know, just be positive. Um, Always speak, well, speak it into existence. And I'd be like, if I hear speaking into existence one more fucking time, like honestly, (laughs) I've been speaking it all into existence. I've been speaking everywhere. It's all on my walls, the posters everywhere. Like I don't, I don't need you to keep telling me to speak it into existence. You know, Um, I, I just be, I just sometimes need a shoulder to cry on sometimes or I need, you know, and I, and I, I find that, uh, you know, I'm the one that a lot of people call me to vent and whatnot and i'm finding that that's happening more so i was actually just thinking about this today like how do i how do i get out of this without it looking mean because Mm. i don't be having time (laughs) like i don't at all like no time to do work to vent sis like i don't (laughs) you you calling me from work (laughs) where am i at but where am i and and that other thing, like, I had a friend who was making a joke, and I had to spaz. He was like, hey, I called you to answer. You ain't got a job, so what else are you doing? Ooh. Don't, let me, ooh, look. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. I said, look here, okay? I said, you gonna get off my phone, 
Okay. Because I don't, because I don't have a job, I mean, I'm here sitting waiting for you to call. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't care, I don't care if I'm just rolling over to the other side of my bed. That is none of your goddamn business. And that's what I'm doing today. That's what, that's what I accomplished today. I rolled from one side of the bed to the other. It's closer to the door. I might get up and make food. I might. You might. This is my process. And it really just upset me because people really just think that people, I think people, even one of my friends said, oh, I, I don't ask you about yourself because you don't seem stressed. What? Mm-hmm. So people think, you know, either you got to be at the very, uh, I have to be having a breakdown for you to think that there's something wrong with me. Yeah. yeah. And like sometimes like check in on me sometimes and, and don't always check on me and ask me how the job hunt. Yes. If there was an update, I'd give it. We'd have that discussion. Right. Yeah. I'm still searching. (laughs) You haven't seen me announce anything on, um, trust me, Instagram will be the first to know. (laughs) Like, oh, how's, even like, and I have to know that too. I have to step back and go, you know, they're just trying to be helpful. And sometimes you got to look, sometimes you got to decline those calls. My sister, every time she called me, oh, how's it going? Stop asking me how I'm going. Because if I told you I'm sad and I'm in the bed, what you going to do? What are you What are you about to do? I'm sad in the bed. I'm, I got the covers over me, and I'm and I'm depressed. Yeah. yeah. And I and I'm low key possibly suicidal. What okay. you gonna do? Yeah, it's hard because you be sitting there. Like, I, I would be. I was thinking of it like, damn, am I going crazy? Like, what's going? Because like my emotions are just all over the place, you know. And mm. it's just like I'm just so tired of disappointment, you know. And it's and it's like and then to keep having to explain it to people you know, oh, what's wrong with you? I'm not going to tell you again. You, It's the same situation. Why well, I got to tell you again? Literally. Like, my emotions have not changed since the last time we talked. Like, <laughs> like what the hell? And then don't ask me why I'm sad. Don't yeah. ask me. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it's frustrating. People, they really just want to help, but they really don't know how mm-hmm. and, and are not prepared to help you the way you actually need help. Yeah. So I try again to not even be... I try not to even be in a space to feel those those calls because I'm like I know what this is. I don't want to talk to you about it. And I'm not and and know that that's not you being me. It's really yeah. you. It's, it's self preservation. Yeah, and I gotta preserve. And, and setting so. boundaries. Setting Look, boundaries. Which is what I need to do. I have to I have to work on that. Something yeah, I'm not very set, good at. That's what I'm like. Yeah, I gotta set some boundaries, and um, I'm not I'm not really caring if I don't answer the phone. Uh, I will text you or call you back when I'm ready mm-hmm. to receive mm-hmm. you and receive your information. Um, but a lot of the times it's hard for me to put out when um, I'm in mm-hmm. a space where I'm meeting people supporting to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really hard. And I'm needing dollars to pour in to me. Literally. To me. I just right. like literally need the dollars. Right. So and I, I stop inviting me out. Don't invite me out. Ooh, let me tell you, because like I even like my best friend, she's like, you know, I want to do this, this, that, and a third. And it's funny because um, the ongoing joke with them, which was, which um, I personally don't think is true. They'll be like, oh yeah, well, you know, toy is cheap. But the thing is that I was like, it's interesting that they feel that way because from a lot of my thirties, I have been struggling to sustain employment and trying to figure out my career. I was homeless, all mm-hmm. of this up and down stuff, like all this drama with my family. 
um, drama in relationships, like failed marriage, all this kind of stuff. So it was a lot of up and down. So it's interesting when they be like, oh, toy is cheap. Because when I think about the times that I've gone out and I'd be like, well, listen, this is what I have and this is what I'm spending. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, y'all have, y'all been on full-time jobs and doing A, B, and C, you know what I'm right. saying? And, right. and, and I, I haven't. So the ongoing joke is like, yeah, you know, toy is cheap or whatever. And I, that sits well, that, that sits in the back of my head, especially mm-hmm. now because like my best friend is planning her birthday and it's like, well, bitch, I don't got money to be doing... D- <laughs> Like, yeah, I'm not doing. I got money, but I don't necessarily have it to be doing dinner, movie, hotel, da, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I have and to, don't make me feel bad about that. Yeah, and I don't, and then I feel bad when they be like, "Oh, don't worry, I got you," and it's like you got yeah. me, but then the ongoing joke is that I'm cheap. So it's right. to me, it's like I, that's why I just be wanting to be in my house and just like don't want to come out the house. No. Same story. Get, yeah, I'm trying to get better about that. So, um. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's just really hard with like you know, but you have to set your boundaries when it's it comes to um, your friends and dealing with your career and how they just you just they they just won't understand unless they're in it. They won't. They won't understand they unless you're in it. They don't get it, and mm-hmm. especially your friends who've been working a long time, who never not worked, who've never gone through unemployment, they have no idea what you're going through. Mm-hmm. They're not walking apart. Yeah. Yep. It's not, it's not, and it's completely different when you're older. Like it's different, like when you're in college and you're trying to find that work study job and you can't find. Yeah, that's not the same. It's completely different when not, you got car note. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you got car note, car insurance, rent, con ed, uh, five credit cards. Like it's completely right. different. You know, yeah. you owe taxes from the 1099s. Like, come on, it's a whole nother ball game out here. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, they, so. and they think life is a breeze. Life is not a breeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's been a breeze for you it's not for me <laughs> so not. what is your so what's your game plan i know so <laughs> so what's your game plan um for people actually for people who are listening in the same space that we are because i don't really have i'll be trying to just tell my story and hope that people you know inspired yeah you know let me tell you what i would say to i guess anybody listening right now what in a what unemployment uh, or just being in this career space has taught me, one, the time is not real. Like, because you got to get that out of your head. Think about the fact that, like, uh, what's her name? Ava DuVernay didn't pick up her first camera until 32. Think about the fact that Octavia Spencer didn't get her first big acting job until she was, like, 38. Morgan Freeman was also older. Like, there are people, Taraji B. Henson is just now catching yeah. her wind. Mm-hmm. And Taraji is, like, about 40. So, yeah. like, you can have your wins and have your the second breath at life as you're older everything that you think that you wanted to accomplish in life doesn't have to be done in your 20s and that is so much easier said than done mm-hmm. but it is possible and, there, and there's evidence all over the world of people doing it much later mm-hmm. as we're sort of figuring out what this is and then also i think unemployment has taught me that like you cannot be uh your, your words cannot be made up of what you do Mm-hmm. Right, who you are is so much more than a place that you clock into and clock out to. Whether you're clocking in at Diddy's at, as Diddy's assistant in, in Comb Enterprises, or you're clocking in at Trader Joe's, like mm-hmm. you cannot be defined by where where you work and when you clock in because your life value is so much more. You think about all these people 
they do these interviews and they're like 90 and 100 and they're in their deathbed and they're asking them about the, the meaning of life and no one ever talks about their work. No one ever talks about how much they worked. They talk about the opportunities that they missed with friends and with family because they were working and because they thought, you know, they prioritized all these other things. And so I think what I'm learning is I'm learning to put value, only feel bad about, or and not even ever feel bad, but only put pressure on myself about things that I know that I could be doing for myself that's really, really making me happy and not really comparing myself to other people, but really knowing that this journey is ours and it's one and it's yours and it doesn't have to look like anybody else's and because it doesn't look like anybody else or it's not as glamorous that it's not as worthy. Mm-hmm. Nipsey Hussle had a full out staple center. One Grammy nomination, one album. Yeah. But a lot of people wouldn't know who he was, but he was on the lips of everybody when he died at 33. Full on staple center so that everyone loved him. And to a lot of people, he had no accomplishments. I mean, in terms of like, when you're thinking about musically, you yeah. know, he hadn't done it, you know, he, he was just on the cusp. And so he was able to pack a house out because of the things that he was doing that was very true to who he was. Yeah. And I think as older, um, it's important that we, and we get more confident, but it's important that you really are able to shed away those uh, ideals of, and, and caring about what other people think and really honing in on what it is that you want to do. And really what just makes you happy. And I think when you do that, I think you're gonna be happier. Mm-hmm. A wise person once told me, you know, Jordan, as a creative, your job, your life, your everything could be unexpected. But as long as you feed the person that you are today and then feed the person that you are the next day, you are going to get to where you're supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to always constantly focus on feeding the person that I am today. What's going to make me most happy today? What's, what's, what's inspiring me the most today? How can I tap into those gifts? So, mm-hmm. so, um, are you job searching now? Woo, child, LinkedIn is pulled up. It's up. <laughs> it's always up. I'm always looking. So what's been your, um, and because you are that, I just love that whole, like, you know, you have to feed the person who you are today and then feed your person who you are tomorrow. I um, mean, you really can't worry about the next and the next. You just got to worry about the present moment. Um, you have to. You have to. Like, you cannot worry about the what ifs. Um, the what ifs will fuck you all the way up. Um, all the way. <laughs> all the way. So in your job search now, how are you handling um, rejection? Because for me, even when I get the, um, like, I won't get an interview. Even if I get, oh, sorry, we, 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 we didn't even take the time to look at your resume. You don't, you don't fit. <laughs> <laughs> even those little resumes, even those little um, emails, I'd be like, oh. You know, like it's, right. it's it's a blow to the ego, especially because I feel like I work so hard on my resume and I think it looks wonderful. Like, how dare you not think it looks wonderful? Right. So Hello. how do you, how are you handling that? You know, I, funny enough, those type of things don't bother me because that has always been my process. Uh, mm-hmm. I've never been the one to get thousands of interviews. I'll go months and months and months and I don't have an interview. And then the last, then then I'll get a random four I'll get all offers and then I have to choose. Like that's always been my process. Even with Rolling Stone, when I was leaving BET, I couldn't get no interviews. And then Rolling Stone popped up and they gave me an offer. Couldn't get no interview. I hardly gave me the most money I think I've ever made. So that's always been my process. I'll never get, I'm not an interview person. I, and it's so funny because I, I would like to believe that I'm qualified, that I don't work at all these goddamn places. But um, no, a lot of times I don't get, I don't get those. So I, I try not to stress about those things. I know I go, because the right opportunity is coming. Mm. The right one is coming, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm focused on. That, you keep that mentality as you're sending out resumes. Okay. I guess, that's great because that means it wasn't for me. Because it's not. How could it be for me? I would have got it. If it was for me, mm-hmm. I would have got it. Mm-hmm. And so I try. Well, is that how you handle when you're in the interview process too as well? And if you don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, I, I solely believe in that. If it is for me, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Because almost for me, I, it was just, it just was, I think this last interview process that I, I'm, I was in was a blow because I just knew, like, I knew, like, I knew, like, I knew I was going to get it. And yeah. then it didn't happen. And I was just like, what the entire, <laughs> like, what just yeah, happened? Through. I went through, um, one, I went through three interviews. So I mm. went all the way to the final round. Wow. And it, it was very promising, very, very promising. And um, and it was just due to politics that mm-hmm. I'm thinking politics. Um they, they, were, they, were telling me, they were telling me it had nothing to do with my talent or anything. They felt that I was very capable of doing a job, but due to uh it went for an it went to an internal client, uh, an internal candidate. Mm. Yeah, so it was kind of like dang. But I did look at it like, whoa. Well, kudos to you, girl, because you were able to get, and this was a high level job. This was a director mm-hmm. level job. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is my first time ever going for a director level job. And I was, I was, I was this close to getting it. So I know that I'm capable of it. And I mm-hmm. think that I was proud of that, but handling, um, handling the no was just like a blow for me. Mm-hmm. It was a blow for me because I had put so much into manifesting that and now i'm like i gotta figure out a way of how when i'm manifesting stuff like if it doesn't come to pass how i'm not emotionally affected by it Mm -hmm. you know like because that's the hard part to me it's like working on that it is difficult it is i I think in manifesting i think when we if we believe that everything uh that you know we manifest that's good is happening for a purpose, you know, then we have to think when things bad things happen that it happens for a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. And so I try to tell myself, yeah, when these bad things happen, when these jobs fall through, when these things, like, I felt so at peace leaving Ro- uh, iHeart because I was like, this can't be it because this this couldn't be it. There's yeah. no way. This wouldn't, be, <laughs> this wouldn't be, no, right. This couldn't have been the situation that I needed to be in. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know what the lesson was in there yet because I was only there for a short time, but I think, maybe the lesson was have faith in yourself yeah and walk away from things that don't serve you and don't look back and don't ever mm-hmm. feel bad about it mm-hmm. and I, I and i was so confident in leaving knowing lord what the what f am i going to do how am mm-hmm. i going to pay my rent you know but i said to myself i know i know that i didn't come this far to to to, to not have another mm-hmm. opportunity or another part of this journey and i had a similar feeling like that when i left uh details in gq and I came to BET because when I felt like they weren't, it wasn't diverse enough for me and I was pitching ideas that was too black for them and they mm-hmm. wasn't saying it was too black, but they were saying it's not an audience. I said to myself, okay, mm, I thought that this was going to be a more diverse place for me. This is not a place that serves me. I got to go. Yeah. And my friend was saying that the other day, Jordan, I really admire how you would walk away from a situation and with no plan. But as long as it doesn't serve you, I don't, I don't think I make hasty decisions, but I make very, I think, mindful, soulful decisions for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, because as creators, we cannot work in places that don't make us feel, that don't make us dream, that don't make us believe. Wow. 
And right. I, I don't believe in, as creators, we can be stifled in environments. And so I work really uh, hard not to feel stifled. And, mm-hmm. and, I, and I don't want to, and I, and I can't. And I refuse to be, you know, mm-hmm. my, my light to be snuffed out, my flame to be snuffed out. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that much in, my, in myself, at least enough to know that there is going to be more life. Yeah. Um, and my, you know, my friend told me there's always enough it was a scripture and there's always enough. I'm always going to have, have enough water for the journey, you mm. know, always. And so I believe that, that the universe, that God has equipped me with that. And I'm always going to have enough to keep going. And I don't have to, and, and, and being, having peace and knowing, I don't even know all the answers of how that will happen, but mm. I know it's going to happen. Yeah. So, so um, in closing out real quick, what um what's your advice to the people out there who are career searching or who are in jobs that they just be like every time they come to the job they hate it and they don't mm. feel like they have scratched the surface of what their actual um what their what their dream is what's mm. your what is your idea what is your advice to that Whew. that's so uh layered but i think it starts with being honest with yourself. I think we all kind of know what it is that we want to do. In a way, I think some of us are really afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say, start small. Start afraid. If you're a closeted actor, take a class. Mm-hmm. Take a class. Start to start slowly. But if you don't invest in yourself, if you don't let people know it's what you want to do, how is it going to manifest? So mm-hmm. it's, it takes a little bit of faith. Um, and in and, and that, but I think also like just sort of really um, taking each opportunity you can to um, to learn and grow. Because sometimes you will stumble into things, right? Sometimes take jobs, take things you don't know you want to do, um, and it could lead you somewhere else. And I think that's what most of the people I know who are, who are really made it, they, they kind of stumble in there, but you take those opportunities and mm. you do it. So uh, humble yourself. Sometimes it means being the assistant, but the assistant sometimes becomes the partner, becomes the director, becomes a different, you know, this and that. So um, yeah, take take all the opportunities you can and, and hustle. A lot of times when you think about how you're spending your day, think about what did I do today that is getting me a little further? You know, did I feed the person I was today? Yeah. Uh, if you're interested in photography, interested in drawing, Start, do it, you know, but you got to practice it. You got to do so it. That is an example of feeding who you are. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Feed the person you are today. I think that, that was the greatest advice I could have got. And Oprah mm-hmm. once said, you can do everything that you want to do, but just not at the same time. And sometimes we're so busy trying to do everything. Yeah. Let me do this. Let me do that. I need to be jack of all trades, but you are the master of none. <laughs> master. You yeah. need to master what it is that, that, that one of the skills. Mm-hmm. And then, and then sometimes you, that skill will open a door, and then you could let those other interests flourish. But you got to kind of master one thing. So I say start, start with interest. Because even when you're applying to jobs, people want to know that you love this so much that you would do it if you weren't getting paid. Mm-hmm. And even though that's unrealistic, that type of passion you should have. Because why are you doing anything? One thing I always say: I never took a job I never wanted to do. I never took a job I didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, gratefully, because I could totally be a mailman today. But um, <laughs> not a mailman. I could totally be a mailman today, but or a dog walker, honestly. 
<laughs> so yeah, I say do that. I say, but really just believe in yourself. I think, you know, the, the child in you, the creative in you, the, the whoever in you that had the dreams, like let them, let them free. I'm saying believe in that person that you are, mm-hmm. um, that you were as a child. Um, allow that person to be free, allow them to thrive. Um, because, you know, at this point, we're seeing things are possible. Everybody's doing it. But the people who are doing it, the difference between the people who are doing it and the people who ain't doing it, a lot of times, is a belief in yourself. A lot of times, we really sabotage ourselves and we tell ourselves we're not good enough. And when you really sit down and you've been in a room with some of these people, as Michelle Obama said, they ain't smart. Mm-hmm. They don't have what you have. They ain't. I'm looking at them like, how'd you get here? A lot of times, we think we got to do all the other stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, and it's not always that complicated. Sometimes no. it's just as as telling somebody else that you that you're interested in that you want to do it that you like it. Yeah, true. So. True, and so doing all of that um, is that how you maintain uh, your uh, mental health throughout all of this? It is. It is. It is. It really is. And a therapist, and I know therapy is expensive, but mm-hmm. um, that yeah, and 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 I and I, I read a lot. I read a mm-hmm. lot. I read a lot of books. I do things that I enjoy. I go out, I take pictures of people, I talk to people about life. I started this series, uh, this, this photo series, um, sort of talking to homeless people about how they like got to where they are and, and how they overcame mm-hmm. um, and as they're going through it. It's been really incredible talking to people who, who've been at the top and lost everything. Um, and so I do things that I enjoy. I just do things that I like. My therapist, when I was, we were talking about dating relationships, he said, where would somebody go to find you? Um, and he was challenging me to get off of dating apps and be in the real world. He was like, where would someone go to find you? If you were interested in you, where could people find you? And it forced me to go, okay, where would I go? What are the things I like to do where I could congregate with people who have similar interests to me? Um, and so I've been trying to, to do that and, and, and to really, again, find other ways to just tap into who I am innately. Oh, George, so. that is so wonderful. That is so wonderful. Well, you've... you've... <laughs> so hard. Listen, I'm going to be taking that whole feed who I am today thing. Yes, please. I'm taking that and running with it because right. I don't think that I... I mean, I think I am on the right track of doing it, but I think that I can get better with it. Yeah, please. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's listening to this, look, if you are a single Black man and you're looking... For someone to join you on the journey, please reach out to Latoya because she has my information. <laughs> I like long walks on the park, uh, in the park, you know, the beach. I'm not really a big fan, but I love pools. I love animals. Um, so just reach out. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'll be putting, oh, but you're going to be fast. I mean, fasting from Instagram, right? Because I was going to say, I'll yes. your Instagram and your Facebook, right? Oh, please. You can put that all anywhere. Look, I'll find it. It'll, Facebook will email me. Okay. I'll put, yeah, I'll put your email, actually, to contact you if someone wants to contact you. Hello, look. Please do. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation like I did. And you know, I always leave you guys with affirmations. And, of course, we're going to do some career-driven affirmations because if you like me, you got a dollar in the dream and we out here trying to make some cream, y'all. So here we go. The first one is... I am a strong woman and I cannot be intimidated. I won't compare my behind the scenes to someone else's highlighted reel. I have everything I need 
to create my own opportunities. My self-talk is loving and supportive. I am comfortable allowing my light to shine in all situations. I trust my intuition and listen to my inner voice. I embrace the greatness within me. I allow my faith to steer me in the right direction. I'm building a supportive network that encourages and motivates me. My mistakes do not define me or dictate my future success. And guys, we just cannot allow what our past has been to define what our future is. A lot of us do get a little hemmed up with that as we're trying to progress in our careers right now, but we have to leave the past in the past and only focus on the future. On with it up with y'all. I ain't gonna hold y'all and ain't gonna let y'all hold me. Bye.